You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. a best practices show, a special edition where we're examining one of the most important questions in dentistry is like, is private practice really dead? I don't think so. But like, and, uh, and I love this conversation and also talking about the newer dentists coming in to this incredible profession and what are they looking for? And so I've got a great guest on today, uh, Corey Jamison Keel. And you and I are just getting to know each other now um, on this whole thing. And you work with Dentists from all over, and actually, you're 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 Wisconsin, you're a Scani, so you're from Wisconsin, which is even <laughs> yeah. more fun. But uh, uh, I want to talk about this topic, but I want people to know who you are before we get started. So give us a little bio on who you are, and then we'll roll on that. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm I'm just delighted to be with you today. And just a little bit about me, as you said, I am from Wisconsin. We're based out of the Milwaukee area. And I have a clinical background, but I've been the owner of Custom Dental Solutions now for seven years. And our specialty is really transitioning any dentist from either that young owner that's looking to purchase and they've worked through their broker or their attorney and or an older dentist who's maybe just looking to have some systems changed or looking to transition some team members in or out of the practice and just prepare for other goals that that person has. So we really specialize in training, compliance, um, helping our offices really get to speed on what their goals are for their big picture. Yeah, that's awesome. And this, we, you and I were talking um, you know, I want to have a, an open dialogue, you know, obviously you have some great experience and I do too. And on this, and just like what first, it's kind of a two part question. Number one is private practice dead. And then you work with a lot of younger dentists coming out and it's really fun for me to listen to them. And let's just call it out. The messaging, the marketing is really strong on the whole sell your practice to me. You know, do you hate being a dentist? Yes. Do you hate working on the business? Yes. Do you hate all of the team issues? Yes. Like who's going to say no to any of that? Right. And then, well, sell your practice to us. Now there's a market for that, but it's yes. not everybody. And so tell us your experience. I want to know what your experience is and what you're seeing day to day. 
Yeah, for sure. So I would say 90% of the offices we serve are the millennial dentist. And those are people that have been practicing for zero to seven years. They've either practiced within a DSO or they've partnered with a private practice somewhere. And they've kind of either made the decision well in dental school, they wanted to be an owner or they wanted to, you know, through the process, they want to become their own, uh, their own business owner. So, you know, they are looking for that autonomy and they want to manage everything. But then what happens is these doctors will get into the throes of it and then they get a little discouraged because it's a lot to be clinical, manage vacation time off requests, <laughs> you know, deal with all these different things. And so to your point, along comes these companies, these organizations that offer management services or will buy into your practice or you can buy this practice and we'll give you part ownership or so forth. And there's so much out there that is, is you know, specializing in different ways. And to your point, there are definitely a, there's definitely a need and a place for those. But what I find just working with a lot of those 35 and under docs, they truly want to do everything. And if they have the right pieces in place, they really can do everything. And they don't need somebody to essentially take away potential income when they do sell or their you know, annual income because they're only in partnership by a percentage or whatever. So I, I may be bold to say, Kirk, I think it's a little um, much of a scare tactic when I see yeah. those types of messagings because we've seen through the years with dentistry, private practice can thrive. Mm -hmm. and and really do well with the right parameters in place. I don't believe as a whole, a lot of our new owners need anything other than a really good foundation to start, start their practices, get a few pieces in place that maybe they didn't learn in dental school. Yep. And then at the right time, bring in their consultant group to like ramp up their production and evaluate efficiencies and all these types of things. And they really can manage quite effectively on their own without giving some outside company a percentage of what they're working so hard for on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. So that's that's really what I think. And I don't believe private practice dentistry is dead. Um, I am I am scheduled very full. I'm sure you are too. It's not dying. It's no. alive and kicking and thriving. Yeah. One of the guests I want to get on here is somebody who can show me data that private practice is dying because- I don't see any of it. And I don't have one pra private practice that's like, yeah, our practice is not growing. Like everyone is suffering from like too much, too busy. Absolutely. I have to narrow this down. Um, and the awareness around dentistry is just growing. So um, I totally appreciate what you're seeing. Now go back to this. You said foundation. So give us some perspective. So let's say I'm a millennial type dentist. And I want to talk about that too, is like, what I'm, what, what foundational pieces do you see are like most important for them to succeed right away? Right. So when a new owner contacts us and says, hey, Corey, I just found the practice of my dreams. My broker or my attorney, you know, has got the deal going. We've got signed papers. We're ready to roll. We're super excited for them. But there's a few pieces that they need in place to be successful. Number one, we want to make sure they get credentialed appropriately. If they're going to be in an environment where it is insurance you know, based versus the fee for service, which most new owners, we encourage, they need to take some insurances and they need to build that rapport before they would even consider going fee for service. So fraudulently, a lot of these people do not get credentialed appropriately. They think they can work under the previous owner's name or their mm -hmm. license or something, which is big fraud. So we would do that. Number one, we would set them up with credentialing, evaluate those insurance plans, 
who do you want to be in network with? Who do you not want to be in network with? Do we need to fee negotiate? Do we need to, um, you know, maybe we do need to cancel some policies that won't prove to be effective as we move forward. And then we start talking about, do you have the framework for an office manual? Do you have those office policies so that you're starting right off the bat with the culture that you're looking for? And and I just told a new owner the other day, because she said, well, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. And I said, we just need to start. We just need you protected from the beginning. You can bring all the fancy stuff later after the smoke clears, but we do need to have policies of what's expected of you as an employer and then what's expected of them as employees. And then written job descriptions. We need that in place as well before we start hiring people. Or if we're transitioning with the team that the previous owner had, is there a transition agreement in place? What does that look like? How are we moving forward with that relationship? Yeah. So now, that, those are foundational, right? Yeah. <laughs> now go back to this one because you brought up something that I get a lot and I'm not an expert on this, but you know, I've seen in probably the last 10 years, people will come up to me and they'll say, yeah, I just bought a practice and they'll go, yeah, they're premier. And I'm, and, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited. And I'm like, uh, and, and I, I'll say to them, you have to understand what you're, you're not premier. The doctor that yeah. owns the practice is, and they go, no, the broker told me. And I'm like, you might want to check that. So can you speak to that? What, if I'm a young dentist listening, what do I need to know about that conversation? Yeah, good, good question. Because there truly is some innocent misunderstandings about that process. And I think people mean well when they just don't understand and they think it's okay. The reality is each licensed professional, meaning a dentist, needs to apply for their own credential with that insurance company. So if they're purchasing a practice where they're Delta Premier, which is wonderful, this is great, they themselves need to apply for that as well. It is fraud to work under you know, the previous owner's Premier status or anything like that. And unfortunately, we see that all the time. And most of the time, it truly is innocent. People really don't know any better. But I would really hate to have somebody who's just starting off, start off on the wrong foot simply because they just didn't do their research to know that this is what needs to be in place. So that for us is our number one. We yeah, want it, them to be credentialed. So it's, it's, there is no confusion. Right. And percentage wise, I mean, could you speak to this? If I'm a young dentist, I'm purchasing a practice of somebody that's been credentialed as a premier. What are the, what's the likelihood that my practice is also going to be premier once I purchase this? Is it low? Is it high? It's very high. I mean, I would want to say it's, it's almost a given. Okay. So, you know, most of the time what we advise is we want to see you know, if, if, if nothing has been updated, for instance, we want to, we want to look at it from a different perspective. Like, okay, do we want these insurance plans? Are they producing, you know, are, you know, cause most of the time they're going to connect with that previous dentist in that location. And if those fee schedules and so forth and are serving that area, we want to keep that. Yeah. We want to keep the patients happy for the first six to 12 months anyway. And you know, we want to explore all those things. But most of the time, I mean, the chances of somebody saying, oh, well, you're a new don- owner, we don't have enough, or there's not enough of you to be in Premier is pretty unlikely. Um, even though there's been a lot of changes within Delta Dental, for instance, and things like that, um, that really riled up a lot of our doctors a couple of years ago. And, and some of that is, it's insurance. 
we have to play their game a little bit, you know? Right. right. Yeah. Now go back. Let's talk about the other side of it where let's say I'm a dentist and I've got my son coming in. Now I don't participate at all or a little bit. And I'm just going to have my son deal with all these insurances. And, you know, most of it is innocent on our side of things, but you can't, you can't just put them together and just let it flow. I mean, you really have to follow yeah. the guidelines. Can you talk to about the the complexities with that? Yeah, yeah. You can have different providers in the same location taking different insurances, but it is a nightmare for the administrators and for the schedulers as well because we really have to be careful that if somebody, you know, somebody would be credentialed with a different insurance company, like the Sun, for instance, then that those patients are all being scheduled appropriately with him versus maybe the father or something like that. So I I haven't really seen anybody do that. I'm sure it could happen, but it would be really confusing and very much of a hassle, I think, for administrators and schedulers and anybody would probably be like, no. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> It'd be so, crazy. Yeah. And your foundational concept is so true. I mean, you have to get credentialed. You've got to have this, you know, some type of written organization and system um, and have all that documented. And let's go back to the original thought process, which is, you know, now, how do I say this? I got to be respectful of this because I'm older now. I'm 52, I think. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I talk to a lot of dentists. Like one of my favorites is, you know, Sully Sullivan, who's he's got a podcast called Millennial right. Dentist. And right. he's done a great job of educating me of how I can't speak for that generation. And so I'm now the older guy in the room talking about the next generation and what we get wrong. And we make all these assumptions, you know, and I've learned the hard way that you don't do that. I'm actually trying to do the best I can of not speaking for that generation. (laughs) But if if we were going to, like, what do most people get wrong about millennial dentists and what Mm. they're looking for and what they're coming into this market with? Because I meet them all the time. And my first thought is, wow, you're a hard worker like you. How did you? I ask young dentists. I ask a young female dentist. She's purchased. I go, how did you do this? This is amazing. She's like, I learned it all on the Internet. I'm like, wow. (laughs) Right. Like, you didn't get any help. She's like, nope. I figured out yeah. how to do this and I went for it and I did it and I'm, I'm going to do it again. I'm like, awesome. So what do we get wrong understanding this generation? Oh, I love this question because I'm not 52, but I'm not too far behind you. Yeah. And one thing I personally had to really realize when I was working with them is don't offer or interject your opinion or your help unless they've asked for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was something I personally had to work through professionally. And I still struggle with that at times because I am so much more experienced than they are. That's my assumption. Right. But what I've also learned from the millennials, they are incredibly smart. They will do their research. They will find their information. They will find the answers that they're looking for. They will ask for help if they want an experienced person like myself or you Mm -hmm. to clarify something. And so I even had to check my emotions this morning. I had a new owner who's excited about interviewing a hygienist tonight. And I was a little offended that we have not had a conversation about how this interview process needs to go. Mm -hmm. And I had to step back and say, well, Corey, she didn't ask you for your Mm -hmm. opinion on how to interview this hygienist. Yes, you're an expert at that. Yes, you can help her with that. She didn't ask for it. So I think we have misconceptions as maybe our Gen X 
you know, generation that they need us. They don't need us. They know exactly what they're doing and as far as what they feel comfortable doing. Yeah. If they need help, they are super clear on how they want that to look and they will ask for help, which I really appreciate that style because it's not a fake it till you make it. It's just an openness like, hey, I Googled this. I didn't find the answer I was looking for or I don't feel comfortable. Would you come in and help me? Or could you do something for me? Or maybe this interview tonight, maybe it'll go really well and she'll hire her and they didn't need me after all. Right. Or maybe tonight it won't go well and I'll get a text later and say, hey, this is what happened. Could you coach me through the next interview? I'm not sure I did that right. Yeah. And I'm willing to be there and, and help because um, they're wicked smart. That generation mm -hmm. is wicked smart. And they really want to be excellent in their practices. I think that is one of the things I'm most impressed with. They really want to foster a team culture from the beginning. And I love that. They're super flexible because they desire family life balance themselves. So they're really open to their employees, maybe their needs from a family standpoint, too. And I've really grown to respect that about the millennials. Yeah, that is an excellent, excellent point. It's something... Um, it's so funny that you point that out. That is absolutely true. I was like, mm -hmm. they didn't ask and when they <laughs> want to, they will ask. Now, mm -hmm. also let's talk about this, you, you know, the transition between, um, going DSO to private and what are some of the nuances you see? Because I see it at all different levels. I do see the younger ones come out and they want to go into private right away. Then okay. I see some that go into DSOs and it was actually really good for them because they learn speed, efficiency. Yes. They also learn what they don't want. Mm -hmm. um, but we we don't want to jump to the assumption that DSOs are just, you know, I hear this all the time and I guess I just got to call it, DSOs are going to take over, private's going to die. Like that message just keeps ramping up and that is absolutely not true. And again, what's your perspective on that? as a, yeah. a new a new grad in dentistry coming out. Yeah, so I I guess I I have somewhat of a, a non-scientific percentage I can share with you just from more of a local level from us Wisconsin people. Yeah. So, um just previous to the pandemic, we did a informal survey with the Marquette University students and 40% said they wanted to be private practice owners. Wow. So this would have been back in 2019. And this is, again, a non-scientific, you know, <laughs> it's non-biased. It was just a simple question. We asked them at a presentation and, and you know, had some instructors involved. So you can quote me for my non-scientific research here. But um, I do think it's important to realize when you look at not only, you know, our dental school from our state, but other states, they're having private practice management clubs. You know, they're having these different uh, student-run organizations at these dental schools because they are desiring that already as students. Like, I see this in my future. Um, and it's all it's all types of, of people, whether it's a female student, an international student, it, it doesn't really matter. They're all desiring that. But I've also met some that are saying, you know what? I'm going to go work at a clinic or a DSO, and I'm going to just take it from there. They don't want the pressure to think about it quite mm -hmm. right, right now. And especially as I have Zoomers under my roof, I, I, we're kind of getting into that generation that's in, in undergrad and, and graduate school right now, too. And they want to take in things kind of easy. You know, yeah. let's, let's kind of go with the flow a little bit. Or I don't know if I want to commit necessarily right away or they're so one thing I'm so impressed with, too, is seen in the dental schools is they really want to grow their leadership. Are you seeing right. that, too? I see they that. They just all desire the time. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they love they want to be leaders. And so they know to grow their leadership. 
they may need to go work for a dental service organization and be mentored. They desire that mentorship to learn to be, as to your point, to be efficient with their clinical skills and maybe just interacting with people mm -hmm. and managing a dental assistant maybe, or doing a hygiene check. And they, they, they know they need to grow those aspects first. And then they say, hmm, maybe I do want to own a practice and, and keep building that leadership skill so that I can do that someday. But I don't believe um, private practice anywhere is dead. Yeah. I think it is very much um, a big, big thing that many students consider and will continue to consider um, unless something radical happens in dentistry and, and you know, dentists can't be owners like it did in, me in medical, which I don't foresee happening under my lifetime, but no. yeah. I completely yeah. agree with this. This is so much fun. So I can dish you all the questions that I hear yeah. in all format. Okay. We can actually yeah. do a speed round of questions. Ding, ding, ding. All right. All right. Let's next, speed it up. <laughs> next. No, this is so fun, you know, because you get these questions too. Okay. So yeah, I'm, new, I'm sure. a, new, a new dentist coming out. Do I scratch start or do I buy a practice? I mean, Ooh, you get to see, you get to see all of it, but uh, what what's your perspective on that question? So I, I've got a couple thoughts on that. Number one, I want to know the personality of who I'm speaking to because mm -hmm. I love that we're so diverse, but some people need um, more than just to start from scratch. So if someone's a super resourceful personality or they have some entrepreneurial roots in their family or there's, there's different things there, depending on the location of where they're looking as well as a piece of that, um, I know for me, a lot of times I'm kind of really bending towards the, you know, buy it from scratch because I've seen in my years of being in dentistry, I've seen so many sales where these owners purchase what they think to be 2,200 active patients. Perhaps the homework wasn't fully done or the broker oversold or the, you know, we didn't quite do our homework. And then they're devastated to find out they have only 1,100 patients. Yeah. And then they buy a practice that's not, you know, maybe kind of more of a, a, a type of dental environment that doesn't suit their philosophy. Right. So especially right now, one of the big things that I know I'm dealing with, and you probably are too, is everybody wants to be fee-for-service. Mm -hmm. That's their big goal. It's on every podcast. Let's be fee-for-service, which is a wonderful pipe dream because for some people, it's a wonderful reality. But for others, it's not the reality, depending on where you are located, where you're practicing, what kind of personality you are and who you're serving. Mm -hmm. So um, I think from a, you know, if you're going to be from scratch, again, depending on what community you're in, what influence you have on that community, you might have to take some insurances. Um, you might, it might be in your best interest to purchase a practice, but I would really do my double and triple diligence that you're purchasing what you think you're purchasing yeah. because it, it is hard for me. And maybe this is because I'm a mom. It's hard for me to sit by an owner who's crying because they feel they overpaid and the patients keep walking out the door. And we usually tell them expect about a 20% attrition rate. That's usually what we say. And unfortunately, sometimes it's more. Right. Um, and so at that point, it's like, man, this person maybe would have just done better just to go from scratch, Yeah. you know, versus spending all this money on these charts that are useless. Yeah. Um, you know, depending again on that relationship too, with, with that previous owner and the new owner, how does that relationship look that really makes or breaks those deals a lot of times too. Yeah, too. Okay. Group or solo. Okay. And let me pepper that question <laughs> with this one. Yeah. You know, group, 
Uh, Corey, group just sounds better because like I can share the responsibilities with these four other dentists. Like, wouldn't it be great? Like if we just all shared these responsibilities. And so like, I'm being a little facetious. Because everybody likes to share. Oh, I love to share like the ownership and responsibility of, of all this, you know? So, um, so group or solo, what are your thoughts? Again, personality, yeah. full on personality. Most of the time, I'm going to say solo. However, I do know some groups that are very successful as well. Groups meaning two to four owners generally. And what really works well is specific job duties for our owners. We've got one owner who is kind of the HR person. We've got one owner who's doing the soft accounting. We've got one owner who's you know, whatever, the the magic maker, the person who's bringing the cheer to the office every day and, you know, making sure everybody's happy with their vacation and this and that. Right. That's when it really works really, really well. And again, if you're a huge practice and you're, you have thousands of patients, a group practice might be the best way to go. Um, people that have a more of a collaborative personality really enjoy those group practices as well. But there's also a lot of frustration if owner detail is not outlined I'm assuming yeah. you see the same thing. Oh, I could do a whole podcast on what I really think <laughs> on this. You know, and I'll just say this out loud. Like, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's temperament. It's style. It's like, what are you looking for? But you also have to be aware of exactly what you're getting into. People say, oh, having a partner is like getting married. No, it's not. No. It's 10 times harder. My wife <laughs> yeah. is amazing and she can put up with me when I screw up. When you have a partner, it's a whole other level. And could you even imagine parenting your kids with four other parents? You know what I mean? Right, like, right, it, right. It, it can be done in business, but what you're seeing is absolutely true. We have, and this is what we spend a majority of our time on with practices that are bigger. And so if you're listening, this is key. The leadership, as goes the leadership team, so goes the practice. And so how we got started is like, you were asking me about a dentist who just wasn't buying in and they hired you as a gift to their team to improve. And you know that I, you know, we, we deal with big practices all the time. And like, any crack in daylight between them blinds everyone else. And so, and I have a leadership team too. We don't have to agree, but we do have to be aligned, 100% right. aligned, which means, you know, consensus is, it's horribly unhealthy. Like we do not need to be, <laughs> but we do need to cooperate. We need to be aligned. Yeah. And where we're yeah. going. So I think it's good for people that, hey, look, I know what I'm getting into. I'm very aware of the downside and you're giving up a huge percentage of your autonomy. Now, you're asking a question that opens up a big thing. Now, I think self-awareness is really what you're talking about is like, you really have to know who you are. I am 52. Like I shared, I am virtually unemployable. There's, I could (laughs) never, I could never hold a job anywhere, anywhere for the rest of my life because I like things the way I like them. Do you know what I mean? Like I, if I ever lost this thing that I have and I, I, you would basically see me jump from job to job, to job. And they were just like, we fired that guy. Cause I don't right. want to follow directions. No, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I just want to do it my way. I want to create. Right, right. I, I am not a compliant like, oh, I'll just do what everybody else wants to do. But that's that's me knowing me a little bit. And so if you're a dentist who likes yes. their stuff and there's a downside of becoming a, a better dentist is that you get picky and it's good. That's right. And you I, I've heard dentists say this to other young don't don't touch my stuff. 
stop touching my I'm like, yeah. oh, you are not a dentist that plays well with others. No. You know, and then one more thing, and then this is your show, but I want to just add context to your question. <laughs> yeah. People say, oh, I'm going to get a partner because I can have coverage and that way I can go. Right, away. right. Okay, right. let me ask you about that one because having a partner so you can go away, the data doesn't show that you go away a lot. When no, you're it doesn't. <laughs> so tell well, me what one, your findings are. Yeah, one thing I would interject too as we're chatting about this topic is if you bring in other partnerships, we've, we were talking a lot about the culture aspect, but what about the clinical alignment? Right. So that's where we have to see like, how, what is the reality you're going to be clinically aligned with the same person as far as going in for a hygiene check? Are you both going to address the periodontal problems the same exact way? Mm -hmm. You know, and are you going to see like, even to your point, don't touch my stuff. What products are you going to use that are going to be different? Right. So, you know, those are very real problems too, as far as even a clinical alignment and things like that. Um, to answer your question about being able to have coverage while you're away, I've never seen it happen. <laughs> I've never seen it be successful. In fact, um, when you were saying that, I was thinking of an office right now that, that the owner has two associates and she still, after 11 years, still works Fridays. And I'll still send her texts from time to time. And if she's listening, she's smiling because she knows who she is. I'll say, so are those associates working for your Fridays yet so that you can be with the kids that you decided you wanted to hang out with? Yeah. And she just, it's, you know, it's silent. So I do think that, again, going back to the point of having those written parameters so that you do say, look, if I am going to bring in a partner, I'm going to have an associate. This is when I take a week every, you know, like every 4th of July or Christmas I'm off. This is your coverage. These are non-negotiables because then what happens is that person comes into your practice and you never get that time off. <laughs> I am loving this conversation because I, you're giving me permission to just, just like, just go there and just say, <laughs> um, if you're listening to this and you're a young dentist, I'm just going to say this and I don't care if you like it or you don't have to like it. coverage is the <laughs> dumbest word. It's the dumbest <laughs> word that's ever been coverage. Co it it doesn't happen like and coverage what your patients need a blanket do they need an umbrella like you can go away what you do is you create your own rules oh by the way your patients don't need coverage when you do better dentistry you know or here's an idea right. you have a friend who's an oral surgeon so when things explode <laughs> when you're at marco island with your family you can go hey go to my friend who's an oral surgeon like he'll help you out or actually i got two buddies down the street like they'll they'll cover you you don't have right. to build six more ops and bring in no. a partner so you can go away because the ada published a study and i don't have it in front of me but they showed the data on non-solo dentists. And as you can imagine, non-solo dentists, do you think they work more or less? Non-solo dentists actually work on average 10 days more. Wow. Okay. Than solo dentists. Solo dentists actually work less. So, okay. um, but I, I love this. That. Now, Corey, I'm loving this conversation because I have a special place in my heart for these young dentists as you do. And so our message is this, please don't be discouraged. Um, yes, you're listening sure. to Corey and she's giving you great perspective on what you just need to eat consider because when you do make this decision, it is a great part of your life, your happiness. Yeah, for sure. You know, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I think one of the coolest things to experience is when either they're they're a dental student or they're working for somebody else and they're preparing to own their own practice, to see these young dentists assemble their team of trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. And I love that because, and I love to be a part of it, of course, but I love to see them just organizing it appropriately instead of just 
being reactionary towards everything because then they're setting up their strategic life's design. Right. And it's just so cool to be involved in that because they they have, you know, their financial planner, they have their accountant, they have, you know, their HR consultant, me or whatever they decide to do. And they put all these people in place. And it's so cool because I'm like, here, this person is 28 years old and they're designing what they want right. and saying, I'm working, you know, Monday through Thursday, or I'm doing this, or they schedule their, their time. And it's really fun to see them totally exceed in that design. And so I, I agree. I don't want our new owners to be discouraged. The owners that are successful design the life they want. Okay. Go and, back to that. Go back to that. I love this. Okay. So I'm going to play the 28 year old dentist. Okay. Corey. I'm listening to this, like coach me, like, okay, so I have all these options. I get all this marketing from these big organizations and these coach me on where do I go here? Because the likelihood is I probably have four decades of dentistry in front. Like, what would you coach right. me if I'm 28 and listening? I would ask a couple questions like this. What do you, what do you want? Right. What do you want? And it sounds super, you know, wide. But when you ask someone a question, you just leave it there. It's amazing what you hear. I agree. So whatever answer you have, then I would continue to ask more questions revolving around whatever answers you have. And then you can just really funnel it down into what they want. Mm -hmm. And then it's really cool to say, how do we design that? Yeah. How do we get there? What does that look like for you? Yeah. You know? But, but, but Corey, I'm afraid. Of, now, this is real. Like, I'm afraid of failing. Like, you know, and that's very, it's a very real thought. Like how many dentists do you see like totally fail? Mm. I mean. Yeah. You know what is so awesome about this? Let me, let me just sidetrack for a second. Why are they afraid of failing? Because have they failed at all in their life usually? Nope. No. So that's what I always ask. I'm afraid to fail. And I'll look them right in the eye and I'll say, what evidence do you have that you're a failure? Mm -hmm. Very true. Because let's be real. Our dentists are hardworking, they're academically achievable, or they wouldn't have got through dental school. Mm -hmm. Many of them are athletes as well. Yep. So they have that discipline of being former figure skaters or hockey players or football players. You know, they're just, they're well-rounded people. Dentists are cool. Yep. They have a lot of cool talents. So when, I, when that fear fairy comes in, I do like to ask, what evidence do you have? well, uh, or what would happen if you did fail? You yeah. know, sometimes we don't, this is, this is great that you brought this up because this has really been on my heart lately. We don't allow ourselves or our children or others to fail. We try to scoop up situations to prevent that, but failing grows us more. It helps us really hone in on our focus and what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Case in point, I have a figure skater under my roof who's had two concussions in six months. Coming back on ice has been a little bit of a challenge. Mm -hmm. She wanted and pushed to do these skate tests last weekend. I am the driver. I drove her. Mm -hmm. She failed the first test. And I, inside, I was happy. Good. She needed to fail. Mm -hmm. She gets off ice. They told her she failed. Right away, why do those judges hate me? <laughs> okay. Yeah. But let's talk about that then. I said, were you prepared for this test? Yeah. I have the video. No, you weren't prepared. 
Mm-hmm. So if somebody has a fear of failing, I want to know how how prepared they are. Yeah. Like I like I mentioned that young owner assembling his team before he even bought. How can I mean there still might be some failures, but you're prepared. And we know if you're prepared, you have so much more of a higher success rate. Totally love what you said. I and I yeah. completely agree. And uh I'm older now, so I don't care. And I <laughs> I was always guarded about this, but I actually flunked out of college twice. And my okay. wife is like, don't say that to everyone. Like they don't, <laughs> the kids don't need to know that. And your listeners right. now, I don't care. The truth of right. it is, I mean, I didn't, I was asked to leave. So that's a, and so, but what it did was it put me through a really tough test because at the age of 21, mm-hmm. I had to figure out like, that's am right. I going to live a serious life or not? And there was a lot of expectations failed from my father from mm-hmm. my community because I was a football player and it mm-hmm. didn't work out. And so mm-hmm. I had to live with all that on me. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? And I found odd jobs like Applebee's and other things like that. And I'm like, yeah. no one's going to out hustle me. And so mm-hmm. I'm not the smartest guy, but like what you learn and what your figure skater will learn is like, you learn so many lessons, That's right? You know, That's right. It's so great. The lessons. You, you have yeah. to go through them. You have to go through the lessons. You yeah. know, I think that that's something that, again, we want to protect ourselves from or our children from or maybe our young owners from, but they need to learn that. Um, yeah. You know, I to going back to my story about the interview tonight, I could have bullied my way into going to that interview and taking it all over and say, I'm going to do this. And I'm the expert here. I have 28 years of experience. You're 28 years old. You know, I could have pulled mm-hmm. all of that. Right. Right. What if what if that interview fails tonight? Right. What if it does? Then she has learned as an owner, maybe a different way to a different technique was needed or maybe, you know, whatever. So I I think there is a lot about failure right now. And I I love that we're so open about our failures, Kirk. (laughs) 100%. You know, I I haven't been doing this. I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years and I've got another lecture for another day that the first 12 years I almost quit like 10. I didn't even know being an entrepreneur, but you learn over time, like, God puts you in these situations so that you're a seasoned entrepreneur and you can talk That's to other right. entrepreneurs about That's why right. so you can say to them, I have authentically been where you're at and I will tell you you're going to be okay. And I would just, you know, I would kind of wrap this up by saying, listen, I know we're talking about a lot of things and being very transparent about some of the downsides, but you're walking into an, you said dentists are cool people. Completely. They are. They're cool. <laughs> and this is a crazy noble profession. You'll never find another profession where so many people are willing to help you. And the failure rate, I'll tell you, is extraordinarily low. Yes. I mean, this the data, if you look at data on dentists that have gone bankrupt, it is so low that if you show another entrepreneur it, they'll go, that's not true. And if anyone <laughs> you know ever went bankrupt as a dentist, just do a little bit further investigation and go, okay, that was really dumb what they did. Yes, you yes. didn't need a saltwater fish tank and, <laughs> right. um, you, you know, a stream going up your, uh, <laughs> right. up your sidewalk and all those right. other things in Hands a town down, like that, yep. you know, so, so you're, you're, you're going into a great profession. So yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Corey, any last Hands thoughts? I, I really enjoyed this, but any last thoughts you would say to our listeners, you know, as they embark on this great career? Yeah, I would just encourage our young owners to definitely get the foundational pieces in place. Um, It's never too late. Sometimes people feel that, oh, I jumped in and I've had two years of hell since I bought this practice. It's never too late to start putting 
the right process and systems and getting your ducks in a row. So please do that. And just be encouraged, as Kirk said too, this is an amazing profession. There's so much enjoyable um, rewards for you from a personal life standpoint and just have fun, enjoy. And uh, that would be all I would say. So again, thanks for chatting with me. I've enjoyed our conversation and um, I love, love, love sharing with other people that share my same value that a uh, private practice is thriving and is excelling. And I'm excited. Amen. Amen. I couldn't yeah. agree more. Now I want people to be able to find you. If I want to find out more about what you do, how do I reach out to you? How do I, how to find out more about you? Yeah, sure. So I would just tell people if they want to go to our website at customdentalsolutions.com, they can review all of our events. We put on a lot of CE events if anyone's interested in that. Obviously, for me personally, I'm on all the social media outlets so they can find me there, of course. And yeah, if we can help in any way, we'd be happy to do so. Yeah, that's awesome. I really enjoy this. So thank you for being on it and stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. But thank you. Thank you guys for listening to the Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor. Hit the share button. Share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions for things that you want to see. And uh, keep in mind, this is a pretty amazing profession. And you can chart this course however you want to chart it. So um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, And we'll see you guys next time on the Best Practices Show. You guys have a great day. There you have it. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Best Practices Show. I hope you sure did enjoy it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. We are always here for you. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you consume podcasts. And if you really enjoy it, you can leave a comment or a four or five star review. But until we see you next time, keep watching the Best Practices Show. Oh,